0: I don't think it's about restricting yourself in situations, but just doing like how you feel like in the moment. That's literally the question
1: is, how does it make you feel? Hello, welcome to the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and this is your destination for all things growth. Welcome back to another episode of Active Ingredient. This week's episode is with a longtime friend, Hilary Scheinbaum, who is a journalist. She's an on-air host, the author of The Dry Challenge, which is a practical how-to book on how to drink less, complete a no-drinking challenge, or just quit drinking altogether. And she's an advocate for living your best life without needing to drink alcohol, which very much resonates with me and where I'm at currently. This conversation is all about the Sober Curious movement, both of our experiences choosing to drink less, and we explore what Sober Curious even means, what to expect if you try it on, how to do it, how to try it out practically, tips and tricks, and so much more. As always, this podcast is not a one-size-fits-all, nothing is in life. If this resonates with you at all, feel free to try it on for yourself and allow yourself to be the judge of if it works for you or not. And I'm always open to chatting about it. My DMs are open. I'm sending you all so much love this week. And Hillary, welcome to the show. So Hillary and I go way back. I feel like we've been alongside each other our whole careers. Yes. I was looking back and I was like, what, at what role were you at when we met? And you were at AM New York when I met Yeah. Me, which and also, is insane.
0: I think we have to give a shout out to Lizette because oh, we brought us together. Sure. <laughs> was, it, was it her? I mean, I was at Shadow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think so. That's, but it's funny because that was the period of time when right before all of like the dry stuff. But that was when I was focused on food and beverage. And so I was primarily writing about cocktails. Which is
1: why I was talking to you because I was primarily doing PR for hospitality. Exactly. So (laughs) that's exactly how we were connected at that time. And now we're connecting at a different phase in life where it's like, we're both doing the same thing, which is super interesting, but from a different lens. And it's like, we're both in the same industries, but just have found niches that are more in alignment with where we're at, which is cool.
0: Totally. It's so funny because I feel like seven years ago or however long it's been, it's like, it's like a such a moment in time. And I'm sure like, maybe we'll look back at this too and be like, that was such a moment in time for the future. But what a different life. What a different
1: life. Like truly. (laughs) And my journey with PR really was like that. It burnt me out going out and entertaining media, being out at the clubs and then being back in the office and doing it all over again. I was like, I love what I'm doing, but this isn't sustainable anymore. I love it. But like, how can I do it in a way
0: that like, I can do this long-term? Oh my God. Totally. Like, I remember even now when I tell people, like, because obviously AM New York and my other freelance gigs were kind of piecemeal. Like they were regular paying jobs, but they were here and there and pitching like, you know, specific stories. But the bulk of my my bread and butter, if you will, was red carpets. And so going to red carpets, interviewing celebrities, going to these amazing events where you're rubbing elbows with A-listers and then going to the after parties. And then on top of that, going home And either writing something that night or waking up super early before my boss was in the office. Like, when I describe that to people, they're like, oh, my God, that sounds like the time of your life. Like, it's so much fun. And I'm like, absolutely. For five years, like, I lived for it. But as I was approaching my 30s, there's got to be something else that I can do. Because I can't do this when I'm, like, 40, when I'm 50. Like, I didn't want to do it, like, you know, (laughs) leading into 30. But for my 20s, like, that was, it was a dream job. Totally. No regrets, but I could probably do that once a month now. I can't do that I do have random
1: urges of like wanting to like just do something like that for a day or a night and then like get back to the way that I function now.
0: But I kind of look at it in a nostalgic way. Like Mm -hmm. I look back on college and I'm like, wow, that was so much fun. Even in the learning part, I'm like, yeah, I got to learn cool things. I got to meet great people. I had such a different lifestyle, but I don't miss that lifestyle. So I feel that way about red carpets and also a lot of those types of events and adventures, it's like, yeah, like I would go back and do it like once. Like I'd go back to like a college football game, but like, I don't need to do that every Saturday. A thousand percent.
1: So I'm curious what you were like as a kid, what qualities little Hillary had, if you remember what your family would say about you or just qualities that you know to be true. And like, if there was a period of time where it kind of went
0: away and you've refounded it again if that resonates at all that's so interesting i'm like kind of tempted to like text my my parents <laughs> cuz they will tell you i think i was always definitely like on my own path like i'm i'm the black sheep of my family for sure i have three brothers they're all younger both my parents too everyone went on to like higher education and i my my mom, like, really wanted me to go to law school. And I even t- took the LSAT, which is, like, a surprise to a lot of people. Really, But, like, I knew it wasn't me, right? And so I think going back to childhood, there are a lot of things that, like, I still participate in now. Like, I played tennis. I ran cross country. Like, I'm still active. But the biggest thing that stands out to me is, like, I think that as I've been a freelancer, you know, for 10 years, at least 11. Yeah, 11 years. I've always wanted to, like, do something whether it was like intentional or not, like I've always been on like a different wavelength than I think the rest of my siblings. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it it tracks with your career, but it also even tracks with your focal point right now, which is really like advocating for people exploring their relationship with alcohol. I feel like that is like black sheep. Like right now, at least at this moment in time, it's like, that is the odd man out. It's the outlier. Yeah. So that's cool. Where, Where do you think that comes from? I feel like it's it's confidence and, like, an ability to trust that, like, if you're being called to do something, even if the masses don't,
0: that you feel confident enough to do that. That's actually really rare. So I'm curious where you think that comes from. Yeah, maybe it does come from childhood. It's so funny. Like, you're the, I think you're the first person who a- has asked me in an interview what I was like as a kid. And it definitely translates. Like, I think I've just maybe gotten used to, like, building that muscle of, like, all right, well, nobody's going to accept this, but I'm going to do it anyway. So maybe that's it. But yeah, I mean, there's a whole other story behind the, the book and things like that. But well, it definitely, definitely makes okay. sense in, in terms of like just doing my own thing. So what was it about journalism that called you? I've always enjoyed writing. I really started enjoying school in, in terms of like, we're going back to childhood again. Like, I really like my English class, my creative writing class. Like, I really did well and i was good at it and i was terrible at math so i i definitely knew i was not going to be like a doctor or an accountant and i think as time went on i realized that i could write in other ways not just fiction so i i was like the editor in chief of my yearbook i like started really young in high school I actually like had written a piece for like our local paper. It was not the Sun Sentinel. It was even more (laughs) local to like my hometown. And then in college, I wrote for the FS View, which is Florida State's newspaper. And then when I transferred to UF, I wrote for, it's called the Independent Alligator, wrote for them. Yeah, it was something that I was just always interested in. And my last semester of uh, college, I saw a listing on a site called Ed 2010, and it was for um, a regional freelancer out of Miami. And I was I was thinking to myself, like, I didn't have a job lined up after college. And I was like, well, if I have if I'm going back to South Florida where my parents are, might as well, like, apply for this stringer role. And now I'm really going to date myself because um, <laughs> the cast of the Jersey Shore was. Uh, Wait, what? Yeah, I, I guess you don't That's know this. Really
1: crazy. No, I don't know that because, you know, that was my first job is doing PR for the Jersey Shore. Stop it. I worked at MTV. Hold we on. We just talking about, about we in before? the same room. Probably. It was, okay, so... That's insane. I was just talking to Joey about this before. Yeah, so I... I I, love when this happens with
0: people (laughs) that I know, that I'm like, wait, this is... Have we met in a former life? I Yeah, so in, in 2010, I was asked to interview the cast of The Jersey Shore as they had just wrapped their season in Miami. And I drove from Coral Springs, where my parents live, and I went to South Beach and I spent two days with them. The first day was at their house. And then the second day was at a nightclub. I don't remember what it was, but that was my first like celebrity interview. That uh, is so yeah. crazy. And I and like I had always wanted like my dream was to be like the editor in chief of like teen people, you know, when I was a yeah, teenager yeah, yeah, yeah. and when teen people existed. But that's what I did. And then and then uh, and then you just kind of have like been finding more and more of your niche. I feel like
1: right now you're at a yeah. moment in time where you are dabbling in a lot of different things. Yeah. I think more so now in wellness and culture. Is that yeah, where you
0: would say? You know, it's interesting because I think that the Sober Curious movement touches so many parts of everything from, you know, wellness and health to obviously like nightlife too and just like lifestyle in general. But so my coverage changes kind of over time and it it's it's evolved with me. It's, it's things that I'm just genuinely interested in and that like I'm having conversations about. And so, uh, yeah, it's there's a range.
1: So I really want to get to your journey with your Sober Curious relationship with alcohol and specifically how you navigate it with work. I think it's something that I'm still very much trying to understand. I don't think that the way that the restaurant scene and nightlife scene is currently active is Mm -hmm. in alignment with people who are there. We're not there yet. It's getting there. It's getting there. But I'm curious how you navigate it and how it started.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because like these days, part of what I do also is I'm having these conversations with restaurants and bars and if they don't have a non-alcoholic option on the menu, and I'm not talking about just like an apple juice, but something that's like a craft cocktail or an actual like non-alcoholic beer, then I'm, it sounds like I'm like petitioning and protesting. I'm like asking them, can you make this menu more inclusive? So actually in New York, if you go to the Williamsburg hotel, or uh at the Arlo Nomad. There's also like a vegan restaurant called Pure Grit Barbecue, and that's in Manhattan. I've actually brought like non-alcoholic brands and spirits to their menus so oh, you can so go and smart. order them. And so we've worked together to figure out like what fits their, you know, vibe, their menu, like work with the beverage directors, because I think it's, it's so important. Like even if you do drink or you're having a drink in your meal, like you don't all of them don't need to be it. Yeah, like you can, You, I think like the beauty of it too is like, even if you're drinking and you're having like a rosé, for example, you might not want to switch to water. You might not want to switch to a Diet Coke. You might want to like keep that palate going, but like you can instead hydrate yourself with a non-alcoholic rosé instead of continuing to become more inebriated. And, you know, you can still like hang and like, mm-hmm. I think it's it's a win. Actually, what's funny is I'm sure that you've, met my friend Alejandro. I, have, some, no, I don't think I have. I've I, heard you talk about him. And yeah. I, this was like 2016. I hadn't seen him in a while. He's like, let's catch up. Like, let's go grab dinner. I was like, great. We go to sushi and we're just like catching up about like friends, family, dating, whatever, shooting the shit. He asked me if I had made any New Year's resolutions. And at the time I was like, no, I was like, I, listen, if I want to change something, if I have a goal, like I'm not going to wait till January 1st, I'll do it, you know, tomorrow or Monday. Or like, I was like, no, I don't do that. And he's like, he asked me if I had heard about this thing called Dry January. Obviously, given everything I've told you, like it's going out five nights a week. Like, I'm not going to not drink. And especially for my job, like it's part of reporting. Like, you experience things, like you go to venues, you go and you eat and you drink and you tell the world, like, this is the experience. It was a week before New Year's. So, this is 2016. So, on New Year's Eve, I go to a party on the Upper West Side. It's my friend Maggie's. She's actually also a writer. I was there with my roommate, and everyone's, you know, drinking. And I had a glass of champagne in one hand and my phone in the other. And I'm, like, texting, you know, my friends who aren't there with me. And um, I text Al, and we're like, you know, Happy New Year, like, that whole thing. And... I don't know. I was obviously drunk. I Let's not lie. And I said to him, I was like, do you want to make a bet? And he was like, what is it? And I was like, let's see who can do a dry January. And he was like, you're on. So ball drops, put down my drink, and like, that's when it started. And the the bet essentially was we're going to give up alcohol for the entire month of January, making it a dry January. And if you drink— that makes you the, the loser of our bet. <laughs> Not a loser, but a loser of our bet. So the loser would have to buy the winner dinner. And it could be anywhere in New York, which is very pricey. <laughs> and as a freelance writer, I, you know, I was very cautious about my budget. And I'm also an Aries, so I'm very stubborn. So I knew, I was like, I cannot lose this.
1: So what did you learn in that month? Like, what did you feel and what came up for you in that time? I think that that's like the main thing that I want people to yeah. understand is like, if you're going to try it, yeah. at least
0: your experience of it, Would you? would you find? I think that like now having done this for seven years, like seven dry Januaries and a number of months in between, my friends know like, if Hillary's not drinking, like she's not drinking. Like there's no convincing her, like move on. And I'm definitely used to the questions, but I really feel like If you think about it, like right now it's a hot topic, but seven years ago it was like, you know, I'm in my 20s, like I'm at a bar, I'm socializing. People were like asking me like very invasive questions that I didn't consider, right? Like I knew that people might like try to apply peer pressure, but people are like very confident with like their, their questioning and like their stance on it being normal. Exactly. And so I felt like a lot of it was just so rude. I hate to say that, but like to ask somebody if they have a problem, like I hate even like using that word, but like, or asking about like their health, like there is no other venue that you would ask a perfect stranger or maybe an acquaintance about like such a personal matter, right? Like their health, like somebody, you know, people ask me if I'm pregnant. I'm like, I've known you for 2.5 seconds and you're literally asking about my uterus. Like, that's so bizarre to me. But, you know, nobody would ask you that, like, over coffee or, like, walking down the street or, like, an introduction, right? Yeah, and I think that even, you know, within my friend group that first year, people were very defensive. I wasn't telling them not to drink. But for them, I think, like, having their drinking buddy, like, near them and, like, doing the same thing was was definitely – uncomfortable for them. So my friends would say things like, it's just one drink or like, you're going to drink in February. So like, it's okay. And I was just like, guys, I'm fine. Like, I was still drinking Diet Coke or trying to ask the bartender to make me something else. Um, I was still like engaged in conversation. And you were still going out, like you yeah. were still active. Yeah. I was still going to bars and I I wasn't like, you know, sitting in the corner, like with Resting bitch face or like you know scowling people. Yeah, I was you know whatever. But I think that people it makes people uncomfortable
1: because it's a mirror. I think. Well,
0: it's it's also that like drinking is so ingrained in our society and it's become such a group activity. So I guess from you know their perspective, they wanted to like. I don't know about like controlling the situation, but just like monitoring and just being like, are you okay? Or like making sure that I felt included, but it wasn't, I don't think they had the tools or like knew how to do that without offering me a beverage. And so I don't blame them. I'm not mad about it. I was definitely shocked by a lot of the responses, but I think now (laughs) stepping back, like having perspective, I don't think it was like, they were trying to like, you know, ruin my bet or ruin my month. I think it was just yeah. a little bit of a self like observation reflection for that. That's what
1: I have found to be the most interesting thing is, and it, it really is like I, I choose not to, I I, mean, I don't even say like I don't drink at all. I just yeah. like I choose not to most of the time simply because it doesn't make me feel good. Like yeah. that's like really the only reason. And like I feel so much more clear and good in my system when I don't, right? And I'll say that like if people are like, wait, why aren't you drinking? But the way that like people persist or they're like, mm. wait, still, or like, wait, how, how, when was the last time? Or like the pregnancy question I've gotten to. And yeah. it's like all of these questions that what it reveals to me is what you're saying, like how embedded it is in our society that like it is normalized to the point where at the end of the day, whichever way you say, I mean, it's literally, it's a poison like, and, and this isn't to like shit on alcohol, but it is a poison. And like the fact that it is so strange for you not to choose to put poison in your body is something that I think is just worth taking a second to like question.
0: It's also interesting because you asked me like how I felt during that month. And there were so many benefits that I felt pretty immediately. I wouldn't say like, you know, it was like two or three days, but I, I really thought that I naturally, I wasn't like a sleeper, right? Like, so my friends, you know, they sleep sleeping on weekends and I would be up at like 6 a.m. And I was getting like maybe four or five hours of sleep a night. And I really thought that it was because having these late nights and like early mornings and like just general anxiety about am I going to land this next gig for articles or like natural things, especially in New York City. It's busy. It's very anxiety producing. There's just a lot going on at all times. So I really didn't consider that, like, this was an effect of alcohol. And when I gave it up, I mean, I was I went from literally sleeping four to five hours a night to sleeping seven to eight. And anybody who has, like, a good night's rest, like, you don't have to. It's clear. It's it's, evident. It's like (laughs) your mood is elevated. You just are, like, a happier, nicer person. You're more tuned into what you're doing, you're more productive, like it changes everything. But I also, you know, experienced like clearer skin. And obviously it was like saving a lot of money because I wasn't spending it on bottles of wine. Totally. How? So right now at this
1: Mm -hmm. moment in time, how would you say your relationship to alcohol is? Like, are you once in a while
0: having a drink? I'm not sober. I would say that I go for periods of time where it could be like five months and I haven't had a drink or a month. I always do dry January. I'll, now I always do sober October. I didn't the first year. And just if I know that like there's going to be a big thing that's coming up that's producing natural anxiety for me, it's usually alcohol is the first thing that I, I'm obviously I don't even think about it. I'm just like, of course, I'm not going to drink because that's going to make me anxious and mm-hmm. stressed.
1: That's the number one reason why I don't, by the way, when I say that I feel better and that I don't like how I feel, it's because it, it like, it just, my anxiety goes to literally from like a two to a 12. Yeah. Immediately.
0: (laughs) It's paralyzing. Like, yeah, like at least like what I was feeling, I feel like a lot in my head, I just didn't feel good. Well, I have a glass of wine here and there. Yeah. But chances are I'm not going to finish it. (laughs) And a lot of the time, like, I think a, a big reason why I haven't cut it out hundred percent is that if I want to have a sip of something. Like literally if somebody's drinking something, they're like, try this. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to be held to telling people like I had this tiny bit. I don't know. It's like, it's like over explaining it. That's actually one of my questions for you is when, I mean,
1: you wrote this book, The Dry Challenge, like right now, a lot of your content and what you're putting out there has to do with this topic. Yep. And you're saying that you don't, like, I mean, you're leaving yourself open to still drinking when you feel like it, if you want to have a sip or whatever. How do you deal with, like, not over-identifying with something? I feel like that's, like, people with that label. And even myself, I started this with saying, like, I don't feel comfortable saying I'm sober, but, like, I really haven't had alcohol in a long time because I don't want to have that pressure of, like, needing to be at this, like, standard. Yeah. Like, I kind of want to give people that permission slip to be, like, you don't have to fucking have a label at all of anything, but... Right now, you're that's literally your line of work. Yeah. So do you feel pressure to, like, uphold it at some level because you've written a book about it and you're, like, in this deeply? Hmm.
0: I don't know. I think that part of talking about this so frequently is I've never obviously claimed to be sober or had—I've never said, do this, do that. It has to be this way. I've always said, like, try it. Try giving up alcohol for— A month. My book is a judgment-free guide. I think obviously it's not a substitute for recovery programs. I don't think that dry January or sober October or any of those things are replacements for that. But my stance has always been like, just try it, like see how it suits you. So I don't I don't necessarily feel pressure in that way. I think that this is such a new space as it is with like non-alcoholic products and just speaking about not being like 100% sober or the other end of that, that there is like an in-between. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's really been a lot of conversations that are like educational that I've been having with like people. And also, yeah, like just like as I was saying, like that doing a dry month is like not a recovery method. Like just explaining to people yeah. that like people don't drink for a number of reasons. It could be for health reasons it could be for religious reasons it could be for just like a wellness trial but like you really don't have to have a reason either totally so i think it's just like there's such a broad spectrum yeah but it's always good to talk it out because like i think it's sometimes it's hard to grasp from like a very blip of like a news piece or a quote whereas like that's why there's an entire book you know totally took it took that many words to explain it
1: So for someone who's listening and they're like, okay, this sounds interesting. Like, what if I gave this a shot? What are some like positive things that you've seen in your own life come
0: out of it? And what can people expect to feel if they try this for themselves? There's so many benefits. And I I don't think that it's like a prescription, right? Like, I know recently, like people are like, well, you're, you know, you're consuming fewer calories. So is this like a weight loss program? And I'm like, honey, I've been, I've been... Downing the ice cream like no other <laughs> because I think a, a big effect. It's a very like you lose a vice, you look for another specific. One. It's not even that. I think like it's it's such a thing that like you start craving sugar. I used to eat like a pint of ice cream a day, and then yeah, that's the first. Qu- I feel like not the first question, but pretty topical point of discussion among people. It's like, oh well, did you lose weight? And I'm like no cuz i've been <laughs> eating so many more calories in the in the form of of ice cream. So yeah, in terms of benefits like it it really just depends. Like you might lose weight. For me, i can say i did not, but i my sleep was improved, i saved a lot of money. Um my skin was so much clearer and less dull. My mood was like i i can't even explain like the gloominess that i was feeling especially during januarys in new york like it is rough. brutal. But I felt so happy. And I was like, where is all this energy coming from? So, you know, I think it really depends on the person and their lifestyle, but there are definitely some perks.
1: I'm curious how this, over the course of these seven years, has influenced the way that your relationships work. I think friendships, I've noticed, have definitely taken some different journeys. Some have fizzled out. Some, yeah, just are like no longer in my life at all. And I do actually really see that it is a part to do with that. Like something that bonded us so deeply at one point is no longer something that's a part of one of those people's lives. So how do you navigate that? And is there any advice that you can give to someone who... Because I think that that's a big part. Like people fear abandonment, abandonment of their friend group, abandonment even of their families. Like if drinking is like a big part of your
0: family culture right? It is in so many cultures. In so
1: many cultures, but like there are so many families who are rooted in like going to the bar and like drinking. What would you say to someone who who's like, this is resonating. It's striking a chord. I'm really curious about this, but I fear losing
0: my friends, my family, what I know. Yeah. (sighs) I think that over time we're all evolving. Like we were just talking about like seven years ago, we were different people doing different things. And I think When I started doing this and I was getting a lot of pushback from friends, it was hard. And I never, like, took myself out of my normal situations. Like, I was still going to bars. I was still going to parties. I was still doing the same things, but just not drinking. And I think you can do that. And I think that if your friendship is literally just based on, like, having a drinking buddy, then, yeah, it's going to suffer because you're not going to have that in common. But I think, like, your true friends and the people that like genuinely care about you, even even if it's like a short break, that's fine. But I, I think that you'll find other things to do, like activity-wise. Like for me, it's obviously, you know, a lot of sports and like working out and bonding with my friends over that. And I think that a big thing that people can do is obviously like take the lead in making social plans. So instead of relying on the friend group to come together at the local bar or wherever it is that you go to hang out and drink, you can say like, "Hey guys, like why don't we, I don't know, do an activity that is really just different, right? Like and it doesn't have to be something astronomical. You don't have to go skydiving. You don't have to like go on like a 10-mile hike, but maybe it's something like you can go bowling and yeah, if your friends want to drink there, that's fine. But like, it's also an engaging activity for you or anybody else who's not drinking.
1: What are some other ideas that we can give the listeners of like, what are some of those things? Because I find myself being that friend
0: now who's like, let's do this different activity. You can bake, you can cook, you can have yeah. people over, you can host them for non-alcoholic happy hours. But I just think that like, if you're looking to be social, you can do it without being in a bar or, yeah. you know, without alcohol. There are a lot of things. And maybe you aren't a chef, like I'm not a chef, but I've now have the option to do that. Also, just going back to what you said about like wanting to drink something that is like sophisticated and not full of sugar. I think that when restaurants are putting together these non-alcoholic cocktails or mocktails or whatever they're calling them. Yeah. I
1: think the best case scenario would be a fabulous cocktail menu yes. that had the option for that same cocktail in non-alcoholic. Yes, I like, agree. Like, you don't me. have to have more real estate on that page. You just say, okay, these are our 10 cocktails, and we have them all in non-alcoholic yeah, versions as well. I
0: agree with you. I think also, like, these drinks, whatever we're calling them, can— Have They, they need to—yeah, but they also—they need to come in, in, like, a sophisticated glass. They need to have a garnish. It needs to be the same amount of effort. Because if you're paying $17 or whatever it is for a drink, whether it has— liquor or not, presentation needs to be there, etc. But yeah, in terms of like sugar, it's actually really interesting. Alcohol has a lot of calories as is, but when you are removing the alcohol from wines, for example, you're actually taking out calories and sugar too. So there are a lot of brands. There's one actually specifically that comes to mind that I didn't bring you today because I've actually consumed it all. (laughs) It's called Starla and they make red, white, and a sparkling rosé. The entire bottle, I can't remember which one it is, is 25 calories for an entire bottle. So that's five calories for a glass, where usually you're drinking 125 calories, you know, in a full-bodied wine. And it has far less sugar too. I yeah. want a full list and I'm gonna put it in the show
1: notes <laughs> okay. of Hillary's recommendations of where of what to get for your home, like Absolutely. how to stock how to stock your non-alcoholic pantry. How do you navigate wanting to be infused in culture and not wanting to drink alcohol at the same time?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, definitely, obviously, there are non-alcoholic options on a lot of menus in New York. Not most, but it's getting there. It's, you know. But I think that, like, you know, if you're going to a place like Italy, if you're going literally anywhere, whether it's New York or whatever you're doing, like, I think that the point is there's culture outside of alcohol, if somebody has, like, a wine list that they're known for and that's a destination and and that's what you're doing and that's what you are, you know, you're planning on and, like, that's part of your itinerary and you're comfortable and you drink, then, like, okay, no judgment. But at the core of it, like, it's your vacation. Like, it's your experience. so. There are other things in Italy. You can, you know, go sightsee. You can eat all of the pizza and pasta and cheese. And now I'm hungry. But <laughs> like, you can do so many things. Like, Italy isn't, yes, wine is part of the culture and they're known for it. But like, there's so many other things. It's an entire country. I don't know where yeah. you're going, what cities. Where are you going? Um, I'm going to Lake Como. Oh my God. Yeah. So, like, enjoy your time in the sun. Like, totally. you know, take all the the pictures and post them on Instagram so I can hate you from afar. <laughs> like, I just mean, like, life isn't alcohol. Even if you are a drinker, it's not. You're not flying seven hours and you know taking. But you know what I think it for, feels like. It feels like am I. And I'm, I'm just being honest with like yeah. what
1: comes up for me because I, and I know I, I've also gone on trips, by the way, I went to Cabo recently and I didn't have, and it was for weddings. Yeah. So I think that that's like, if you can do that, like you really like understand how to do it. So, yeah. and I had the best trip ever and I never, I didn't feel like I had to take a vacation from the vacation. Yeah. Which I normally feel when I travel. Yeah. I actually was rejuvenated, alive. I was the last man standing at the after party, like all of these things. And I was like, wow, like I really enjoyed it. But even then it came up for me and it's coming up for me now, even though I know that I've experienced it and I can do it is, am I not experiencing like the full of it? It's like this feeling of FOMO. I was just gonna of. Am I not really getting every ounce of this trip if I'm not experiencing the broad, wide range thing of having a margarita
0: in Cabo or having my Aperol Spritz or Negroni in Italy? Interesting. I I mean, you make a very good point. When you came back from Cabo, did you feel like you missed out on something? No. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Sometimes you just need that mirror question. I just that's. I think that's it. It's interesting because, you know, I've written a lot about, like, weddings, too, and not drinking at weddings. And, you know, the first time I went to a wedding and wasn't drinking and what that experience was like. And I think, like, a lot of people, again, associate birthdays, weddings, celebrations with partying and champagne and alcohol and open bars and all that stuff. And, like, at the core of it, like, you're not – you didn't travel all the way to Cabo to, like, get fucked up. But that's what a lot of people
1: do think. But like it's like I'm letting loose is like is the is kind of like the feeling. It's like, oh, we're gonna go and just like really let it all hang out type of vibe, you know? Yeah. And you can do that.
0: But no, like you totally. don't totally you don't have to be like throwing back shots. But my point is like you went there to celebrate the union of your friends, like their love, their like to support them, to show them like, yes, I'm here to celebrate you at your wedding. You didn't, you know, book a flight and take time off and go through you know all the the hoops to arrive at a destination and get blacked out like i mean i'm i'm saying it happens and again like to each their own but that wasn't like the core meaning of your trip so very true it's like it's all like coming back to like intentions and like that's the thing it's like even now like if i have a glass of wine it's like what why am i why am i doing this like am i doing it i i don't get Hungover these days because I don't drink enough to, like if I'm trying something like if I'm taking a sip, like I'll take a sip, okay, I experienced it like that's enough for me, I don't know personally, but especially with weddings like or like you know it's it's your vacation, it's your time off. I don't think it's about restricting yourself in situations, but just doing like how you feel like in the moment that's literally the question is how does it make you feel does does it make you feel good or better? Or not not
1: drink, or just like like, in general in life, like with anything, like does it make you feel good that you want to keep doubling down on this thing, or does it make (laughs) you feel bad? Like it's just it's it's really that that's what I ask myself when it comes down to it. I'm like, yeah, I could have this Negroni at this restaurant, and although I love it, that's the thing that and that's what I tell people too when I when I'm like, yeah, I don't drink, it's all that I don't miss it. I love. The taste of a Negroni. Yeah. I genuinely do. Yeah, I love it. I love sake. I love wine. I genuinely love the taste, but I, I really, really don't love how I feel the next day more than I like the taste of it. So like, that's what I always go back to.
0: Yeah. Going back to it. Like you could take a sip and that'd be enough. And that'd be, maybe that's enough. Or you can, you know, if it's available, you can order a non-alcoholic Negroni. I also want to get into the book. What can people
1: expect from it? Like, what, if someone's on this journey, what can they expect from the book and what, who
0: is it for? It's really for like social drinkers or people who probably go out with their friends. It's really not for people looking for a recovery solution or people who are dealing with AUD, but it's super non judgmental. It's actually like very lighthearted, if that's a way to describe it. There's like little like workbook things in there that you'll find and like just interesting statistics that I don't think would ever come to mind. Can you hit us with one? Oh yeah, this one like blew me away. So there was a survey done in the UK, which obviously the drinking age is, you know, 18. So it's, it's a little bit different than here, but the average adult spends nearly two years of their life hungover. That's insane. Yeah, think about it. Like two years, like what could you do two years that's wild rather than feeling nauseous Mm. in bed that's really
1: wild so there's cool statistics there's work work workshop or workbook questions what has the response been
0: it's been very positive i think the people are excited about the sober curious world i think that it also lends to people talking about it more again like I always say, you know, if there's an option on a restaurant menu, it just allows people to like order it. So I feel like, you know, there's been a lot of conversation and it's been it's been really great. I think like I'm I'm really excited to see like what transpires in the coming years because it's only becoming like a bigger part of culture today. So mm-hmm. I really hope that... um Maybe the next time, seven years from now. Hopefully I'll see wait. you before no, then. Well, for sure. But like, you know, let's put a calendar, wait. an invite. And in seven years, like we can sit here and be like, all right, how many restaurants have non-alcoholic options? How many bars have Heineken Zeros next to their full body ones? That sort of thing. I really think it's more than like a blip moment, like a trend. I think I agree that it's it's gaining traction and it's it's only going up from here. So...
1: I fully agree. Well, thank you for the work that you do. I think that you're you're really changing things up. Thank you. And it's really cool from the lens of someone who really values eating well, going out, doing all these things that are kind of like adjacent to drinking, which I think puts you in the perfect position for it.
0: Thanks.
1: I always ask all my guests, what's something that you know for sure with full certainty that you wish other people knew? Like in life? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a big question, but... Geez. As a journalist, I've been doing this for over a decade, even longer if you want to count my college and high school writing careers. It's really important to ask not only the right question, but the right person, the right source. So I think very often we get comfortable going to our close circle of friends for advice or our family or our partners. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Think it's always good to, you know, get opinions when you ask for them. However, if you are, if you break your ankle, you're not going to go to a dermatologist. If you are looking for relationship advice, you are not going to go to the cashier at the deli. So bear in mind that when you're asking people for advice or direction to make sure that they have experienced that, or they know what they're talking about, or they have some kind of education to back that up because it's important. I think when you, when you are genuinely looking for answers, you want to get the right one that that works for you. So if that all makes sense. That made perfect sense. Ask the right questions, but ask the right people. Oh,
1: obsessed. Thank you so much for coming.
0: (laughs) Thanks for having me. Where can people find the book? You can find it in Target, at Barnes and Noble, uh, Strand Bookstore if you live in New York. Also on their website and Amazon. Amazing! I'm really
1: proud of you. Thank you. I'm really excited to have this conversation seven years from now. Hopefully before then, but yeah, seven years maybe ago. we'll do it like in a stadium, Madison Square Garden. Yeah, <laughs> I went to um, FTX Stadium this weekend or last week. Sorry, and I was like, where the hell is the guia? Oh my God, they, they gave me like a huge child's cup with like a sparkling water. And I was like, can I have this in a regular cup? And they're like, no, we actually like take inventory on what's alcohol, what's not. And I was like, hmm. cool. <laughs> Let's work on that. Let's work on that. All right. Thank you so much. Thank See you. you in seven years. <laughs> thank you so much for getting to the end of the episode. And more importantly, thank yourself for choosing to learn more about how to come home to yourself. As always, take what resonates with you and simply let go of what doesn't. I would really appreciate it if you can give the show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen, because that's the way that the show will continue to grow. And we are all about growth here. I'm sending you so much love and I will see you next week.